My name is Janelle, and I've had the honor and the privilege to uh, be on staff here at Reality for a little, oh my gosh, over two years. It has been, uh, like I said, an honor and a privilege, but um, today is my official last Sunday as a staff member. I'm still a member of Reality, um, but this was always an assignment that had an end date to it. Uh, and because of COVID, um, I am also a chaplain at Harvard University. And so I was able to extend my time and kind of and help our congregation through um, not just a senior pastor transition, but, <laughs> but also a pandemic. So uh, God's grace uh, has been abundant. Um, and I stand in awe of his goodness. And thank you um, so much for your prayers and for um, our elders and our board who, um, yeah, who have just been such a support um, through these past, gosh, 18 months plus. Um, but today I have the privilege of um, my swan song is, uh, so to speak, um, is to share with you uh, this evening in this wonderful, wonderful church. Um, so the passage I'm about to preach, uh, from has all the ingredients of sounding really harsh and judgmental. And I think uh, if it was attempted, if this sermon was attempted before Pentecost, it probably would have landed very much harsh and judgmental. Uh, But the Holy Spirit has a way of cutting hearts so clean and so efficiently um, that the aftermath isn't condemnation, but rather grace mercy and hope. And so it's with that that um, has been the focus of my prayer during this time, because I must tell you, uh, as I've been studying the latter part of chapter three, uh, I have been moved to tears multiple times. (laughs) And I'm like, Lord, I've like read this chapter. I've I've read it a fair amount and I'm familiar with it. Uh, But sitting in it with Jesus has really, it brought me to repentance. So prepare yourself. Um, What I love about the word of God is that it transforms community as well as the individual. My prayer is that as a collective, we leave here changed, but also we find that within ourselves, the Holy Spirit is doing an inner work in our life. Um, And this really is good news, right? Transformation. Like, we can still be different. That is good news. So this Thursday, during our prayer time, we have a prayer time on Zoom on Thursday mornings. My shameless plug. Again, there is therefore now no condemnation. But you now know. Uh, I was sharing with our group uh, a little bit about what I was about to speak on in, in the scripture. And we were actually praying. We were about to pray through it. And I, I gave them a, a quick little tidbit of, you know, where my sermon was going, like sermon direction. And Robert Boyer was on the call. And I always have to tell a Robert Boyer story. I feel like when I do preach, so Robert, you knew this was coming probably. Uh, and I said, you know, I am going to talk about the blindness of the man that was at the temple and just kind of parallel that with spiritual blindness and And I am like, I am, you know, this is through my lens, so of course he will probably tell you a very different story, but um, in all graciousness, he said, Janelle, 
goes, can I interrupt you? He's like, uh, you do realize that he wasn't blind. He was lame. And I said, well, it's Thursday. <laughs> so that's where I was with that. Um, last week, Austin shared on the first part of chapter three. And our two main focal characters were Peter and John and the lame man. And if you weren't here, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. Basically, the lame man is, is asking for money. And this is how he uh, supported himself. He was cut off from community. He was cut off from temple worship. He was cut off. He, was, he lived on the margins of society. And this was the only way of survival. And he goes to Peter and John, he's like, hey, I need money, like, do you have money? Um, and Peter and John look at him and they're like, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of the Lord Jesus, get up and walk, and he is restored. So this is where we find ourselves. Something that's important that Austin did bring up last week is one thing, is that interruptions are holy. And number two is that it is a spiritual discipline to see those in the margins. And without that, we do not have the acts of the early apostles, period. Barbara Brown Taylor calls this a sermon in a sermon because I am now speaking to you about Peter speaking a sermon <laughs> to a crowd. So our audience is now changing. The focus is changing from these three men to now a crowd of people that have gathered because, hello, this blind man of 40-some years is now fully functioning member of society. Gosh. with me to Acts 3. <laughs> Acts 3, 11, 12 says this, 3, 12 says, while he was still holding on to Peter and John, all the people utterly astonished ran towards them in what was called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we have made him walk by our own power or godliness? A little bit of context here. Peter is talking to his own. Just as I am looking at this congregation, and I know most of you, you are followers of Jesus. I mean, I don't, can't tell you for 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with the work of Christ, the life of Jesus. So Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, and can I just also say, we prayed for that, we prayed this during prayer before, which also I'd love to tell you guys about. At four o'clock we pray before service, so come and join us. Um, this isn't always going to be the case here. It is coming, the season is coming where we are going to see more people in these seats that are in the margins that are in. This is what we're contending for. This is what, not just a pandemic, but really our culture is setting the church up for. Our finest hour, I believe. And my hope is that as we leave this space in this hour, that our hearts would break 
for our own repentance so that that will be made possible. So Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, addresses the crowd. They're astonished. They're running towards these guys. So it's a couple days after the Feast of the Passover. So it's kind of like a holy time. It's like a Christmas and Easter, you know, when people actually do go to church. And um, so it's not like a low time on the religious calendar. It's a high time. And so there are a lot of people. Peter immediately speaks to the starstruck audience with questions. He doesn't give them an answer. He begins his sermon by asking two very interesting questions. First one, why are you amazed? And second, why do you stare? Uh, I find this very fascinating and somewhat offensive um, because why would we not? I mean, when was the last time we were walking down the street seeing the same person that, that was differently abled being healed by someone else? When was the last time a blind person that we were sitting next to during a church service actually regained their sight? Or when was the last time we went to a funeral and the person in the casket got up and walked out of the church? It doesn't seem like a far-fetched idea that people would be a little bit surprised by what just took place. But the Holy Spirit was at work in Peter to get right to the heart of where the crowd was. You see, friends, the, spirit, the supernatural healing, the touch of Jesus, doesn't just call us to be amazed and astonished. It wants more. And this is what we're gonna sit in today. Um, a theologian by the name of Paul Wolowski highlights a grave misunderstanding that the crowd had with what just happened. He says this, thinking that brokenness is the rule and healing is the astounding exception, in our time there's a kind of functional atheism that prevails for many. Life is perceived to be barren of God and if God ever should speak or act, it would be an incredible exception to our norm. When I read this, I wept. Because that's 100% true. Brokenness is the rule for this Christian. I'm sure you guys are vastly different. For this Christian too. Okay, thank you. Wholeness is the exception. Functional atheism is that we trust the brokenness of the right now versus the work of the kingdom of God that has already been accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this again. Functional atheism is that we trust the brokenness of the right now versus the work of the kingdom of God that has already been accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ. Do we believe in the gospel, capital G. Are we an Easter people? Miracles are not just a Jesus magic trick. Their purpose is not for shock and awe. Their purpose is for repentance. Their purpose is to give us a glimpse of life before sin, before the fall. This is what ought to have been. Their purpose is to wake us up from this dull religious slumber. And you know what? Our culture has a really good job of dulling our lenses. Just as Austin said last week, it is a holy interruption. 
Again, Paul Wolaski says this, but Peter's sermon lets us know that such events call for an even deeper response of self-reflection. God's healing and restoring work discloses another world, another reality, another sovereignty shimmering amid the wreckage of a decaying culture. In the face of God's deeds of mercy all around us, we are summoned not merely to say, how wonderful, good for you, but to turn around, to repent, to change our citizenship, and to become a faithful part of God's work in this world. Church, if it's not us, then who is it? We are the hope, period. Jesus is using us. There's no other plan. Okay? He's not sending a fire by night like he did in Exodus. He's not sending a cloud by day. He's sending you. Church miracles remind us that we are an Easter people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. This is the secret sauce of Acts. You're it. Acts 13 through 18, or 3, 13 through 18 says this, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. Okay, there was a plan. Jesus is going to get set free. But they said, "Uh uh-uh. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life, whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you now see and know. And by the way, the man was still clinging to them, okay? So while Peter's giving a sermon, the lame man is like standing there going, yeah, like what he's saying right here. (laughs) We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had um, predicted through all the prophets, that this Messiah would suffer. That is mind-boggling to his audience, because their Messiah couldn't suffer. Their Messiah was coming with vengeance, with an army, And Peter knows this, but he keeps going. He leverages, and I think he, first of all, he just says, you're ignorant, okay? (laughs) Which tempered the crowd a little bit, but this is a pious crowd. So to call church people ignorant is kind of a diss, okay? I mean, he also called them murderers, but I mean, we're starting with this. Um, Okay, and he tempers the message to the crowd by blaming their ignorance, but that did not help them. They knew better, okay? And, um, and what Peter said at the start of the sermon, he talks about two things, two things that are false sources of restoration, power and godliness, a.k.a. piety. See, these were the things that they were banking on. If we have enough power in our political and social structure, the, rest- the restoration of all things is coming. Number two, if I'm good enough, if I'm godly enough, if I go to temple and do what's right, God's going to have mercy on me. 
this is my story of coming to Christ, I have to tell you, because it's rotten and it's empty. Power and piety will poison the gospel and will keep the good news from expanding. Friends, we need more than our goodness. We need more than the power of who we know. And there's nothing like someone that lives in Boston knowing the power of connection. But the crux of all of this is that it's Christ and him crucified. The power of God moves through our just being, through humility, through yielding. It comes through a penitent heart. It comes through a heart that's aware. And it's a reminder that the kingdom of God comes and moves, not for our comfort, but because he is in the process of restoring all things. Now we are moving into our two themes of action that Paul is calling his audience to. Number one, denial. He's like, you denied him. Now that's fascinating because Peter also denied him. Remember that? And it's also very interesting because a couple weeks ago, I actually spoke on that. Same author, Luke 22, says this. When the servant saw him, which is Peter, standing in the light and looked closely at him, she said, man, he was with him too, meaning Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. And he did it three times in Jesus' face. So at this moment, God is using Peter's lowest point as a platform for God to bring his people back to him. That is how gospel works. That is how the power of God works. Miracles draw us to repentance and remind us that we are an Easter people. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor says this. She says, Christ's church may have been born in a graveyard, but that baby grew quickly beyond anyone's imagination. And it started with Peter. It started with this person that we weren't sure was going to make it himself. But this becomes the source of his greatest sermon. 19 and 21, therefore repent, turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the resurrection of all things, restoration of all things, excuse me, which God spoke about through the holy prophets from the beginning. Here is the dramatic twist. If there isn't already been a dramatic twist that I've already talked about. (laughs) As this lame man is standing, now healed, standing next to Peter and John, is, you know, standing here, and Peter is giving the sermon now to thousands of people. What Austin shared last week is that if there was a person who um, had an outward illness or was in any way disabled, they blamed generational sin or they blamed their own sin. And so I have a feeling that the people thought that he was about to go to town on this man of why. But instead, what does Peter do? He turns the tables and he talks to the heart of the crowd. And he's like, listen, here, this, you need to repent. Your heart isn't right. 
Peter is pointing to a much more dangerous lameness that does not just affect one's temporary, that, just not, that doesn't just affect one's temporary social standing, but rather a lameness that cripples the gospel from restoring one from death to life. If we refuse to allow our hearts to be cut by scripture and the work of God, we will forever be cut off from the family of God. Repentance here is the Greek word metanoia. And it's literally, he's literally telling the crowd, change your mind about Jesus. And he also tells them to turn back. Luke also told a story about someone turning back. And it's Jesus talking about the the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. It's that same phrase of the prodigal running home to the father, eagerly awaiting his son's return. Emily prayed this scripture during our time of prayer. And when you hear the word repentance, I want you to think about this. She's prayed, it's God's repentance. It's God's kindness that draws us to repentance. And church, I'm here to remind you that if you're listening to this and the enemy is doing a work with shame, if he's doing a work right now of guilt, know that it's the kindness of God that's drawing us to change. And it's not our repentance that allows God to be kind to us. So our conclusion. Is it possible that this lame and marginalized man was the bridge necessary for the good news of the gospel to be presented to this pious and churched crowd? Is it possible that the real miracle in Acts chapter 3 was the response of the crowd to Peter's message of repentance and restoration? Rashad will probably touch on that next week. Because as a result of this, and you'll read this in the beginning of chapter 4, over 5,000 people repent and are baptized. But here's my question to you. In what ways do you still resist the resurrection? In what ways have your lenses become dull? Is power and piety the rule that is the lens with which you see the world? And is restoration and wholeness the exception? Are you living in a functional atheism that would make a modern day miracle impossible or ridiculous? How is this miracle a mirror for us today? Are you in need of healing? Are you ready for your mind to be changed regarding the person of Jesus? Is it possible that there are still areas of our hearts and minds that need to be restored when it comes to who Christ really is? Psalm 51.10 says this, Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Ray Ortland says this, Real Christianity is not outward, compliance, but an inward renewal. 
a miracle way down deep, a new energy for good we don't manufacture but humbly ask for and receive. Friends, the good news is how this verse ends. It ends that um, that there is hope and restoration in the name of Jesus Christ. It ho- it's, and its crux is that all the prophets in all the Old Testament men and women were pointing to this person of Jesus the Messiah. So may this call to repentance not be a source of shame or a hostile embarrassment, but a sign of God's magnificent love and grace towards us as a community of faith and as an individual follower of Jesus. He wants you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be renewed. He wants to renew the joy of your salvation. He wants this process to be a witness of his kingdom come here on earth and not just for the people in this room, but for the people outside these doors. If we truly believe what we just read, how could we not help but tell others How could our lives not dramatically be changed and altered for the other? How could we not be a church that acts on God's word? How could we not be a church that continually and daily seek to know this Jesus Friends, it's no longer about us. It's about your coworker. It's about your neighbor. It's about the people you see on the T. It's about your classmates. It's about the crazy amount of campuses that are all over the city. And listen, it's his work to do, but it's our work to be. It's our, work, it's our work to follow, and it's our work to trust. And as we go into our time of prayer, my prayer is that there would be a renewed sense of hope in your relationship with God, that your dulled lenses would be wiped clean through the Holy Spirit, and that you would leave these doors with hope and with joy. Thank you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, be at work in all the places, seen and unseen. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bring to life the lame parts, Lord God, not just physically, Lord, we pray that you would touch those spaces too, but also, Lord God, in those places that are spiritual, those things, those, those areas in which we function, Lord God, apart from you, 
Lord, not even out of decision, but God, just out of functionality. Holy Spirit, begin to highlight those areas. And Jesus, we ask you once again to enter, to be Lord, to rule and reign in those areas, to heal us. Lord, we repent. Lord, we, Lord God, say that we're sorry. And God, we yield, Lord God, to the cross. We yield, Lord, to the blood shed for the body broken for us, for these areas. And God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you give us a roadmap to how to proceed, how to trust you, Lord, how to grow. And Father, I also pray for advancing joy. I pray that this is good news. Lord, you want us to change, to be more like you. God, that is a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen.